this morning and just help us, Lord, to, uh, to hear your message and just that it would work in our hearts and just help us to store it in our hearts and that it would walk every day through um, what you, you teach us this morning, Lord. Thank you so much for your goodness, for your love, for your mercy, and for bringing us together this morning to worship you, Lord. Help us to worship rightly. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Take a seat. If you're here for the first time, my name is Jonas, and I'll be bringing the message this morning. Um, the first time I spoke here, um, I remember talking about the fact that I was brought up in a Christian family and I grew up learning about God, about Jesus, and all those cool stories about uh, Moses and Elijah and David and Goliath and, you know, all those stories. So I grew up learning all those stories. And the sad thing, though, is, is that at some point in my life, um, I got to the point where those stories began to... Uh, when I listened to them, I became numb um, to the nature and character of God, and I became insensitive to them. And my prayer this morning is that this may not be the case for you guys. And I know that what I'll be talking about this morning, you have heard, we have, you have heard preachers preach it, and probably you have read it in the Bible so many times. And I pray that these kind of stories do not get you numb, do not get you insensitive to the nature and character of God. And I pray that the Lord may speak to you in mighty ways so that uh, you might actually serve God and just be reminded of the nature and character of, of, and character of God through them. Um, so to begin with, I'm going to read here John, 3, uh, John chapter 2. Uh, that's, that's what I'll be speaking on this morning. John chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. And I'm going to go ahead and read. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to, the, to, the, to Jerusalem. Excuse me. In the temple, he found, these, he found those who were selling oxen, and sheep and pigeons, and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their, their tables. And he told those who had, and he told those who sold pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered, Destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you, will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said these things, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. 
Lord, thank you again so much for this day. And I, I pray, Lord, that you will be with us this morning. Just help us to see whatever you want us to see through your message this morning, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And uh, just a little bit of context here um, about this, this passage. Uh, it talks about Jesus cleansing the temple. And I remember speaking a little bit about this in my previous, previous sermon here. And the context at this point is the fact that it was time for the Jews to celebrate the Passover. And this was a celebration that took place every year. And how it started is when, when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, um, when, Jesus, uh, when God wanted to take him out of Egypt, he sent Moses to Egypt, and uh, he spoke to Pharaoh, and he uh, tried to persuade him to let the people go. And so for a long time, Moses kept talking and talking to him. He, his heart was hard, and he didn't want to let the Israelites go. And so in the end, Jesus, uh, God himself performs a miracle uh, where in all the families in Egypt, um, the firstborn was dead. And so in that night, God has instru- had instructed the Israelites to sprinkle blood in the doorposts of their houses. And so when the angel of death came to the, uh, to the city, and when he found the, uh, the blood sprinkled in the doorposts, he did not harm anybody in that family. And so that was the night when the Israelites left Egypt and they headed to Canaan, the promised land. And so from that, Jesus had, uh, the, Lord, the Lord God and Jesus Christ as one, they had ordered the Israelites to celebrate the Passover as a remembrance of uh, their, the day that they left Egypt into the land of Canaan. And so here we see Jesus at this point in time going to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. It was something commanded by God, and they had to do it every year. And so there have been debates um, in the Gospels, because if if you pay attention, in the book of John here, uh, this, this story about Jesus cleansing the temple happens at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. But if you look at the other Gospels, you see that it happens towards the end of Jesus' ministry. And so there have been debates as to why, why is that. And, and it's been suggested that he probably must have been cleansed the temple twice. Once at the beginning of his ministry and once towards the end of his ministry. And that being the case, you can see, that, um, you can see the significance of uh, that Jesus saw of seeing the temple of God clean. In fact, Jesus grew up going to, the, to Jerusalem. Uh, it was not the first time he went to Jerusalem. He, he, he did that so many times as a, as a child with his parents. And so this time, we see Jesus himself cleansing the temple. So my, the three points that I, I'll be talking about this morning are as follows. Number one, Jesus confronts unholy worship. Number two, Jesus cleanses your bodily temple. 
And number three, Jesus has all the authority to reproach. So I'll be mainly talking about these three points. And so going straight to point number one, Jesus confronts unholy worship. Now, when we talk about worship, what exactly are we talking about? Um, I grew up in the church, going to church, and every time um, we talked about worship, the way I understood it was the fact that you sing to God and you pray to God. Okay? Now, that's not wrong. It is correct. You worship God through singing. You worship God through praying to God. You can also worship God by serving other people. You can worship God by preaching the word to other people. So worshiping God is not only limited to singing and praying. So there are so many ways you can worship the Lord. And so in the Passover time, the, the reason why people came to Jerusalem, to the temple, is because it was time for them to worship God in remembrance of what God has done in the past with their ancestors. And as I was saying, it was not the first time that Jesus had gone to the temple. And so he was familiar with everything that was going on in the temple. He knew that there were, uh, a lot of people coming from many different places would come because there were Jews that lived in many different places. So they would come uh, from those places and come to Jerusalem and, you know, just to offer sacrifices to the Lord and to worship him. And so you can imagine a number of people coming to the temple, the one place that they were supposed to be worshiping the Lord. I believe there were crowds. There were crowds uh, just coming to worship the Lord. And just as you and I are here this morning to worship the Lord, those people had, had a heart of wanting to worship him because they knew that he was their creator. The interesting thing that here that we see is the previous time that Jesus had been to the, uh, to the temple to worship, he did not do what he did at this time. And in fact, we read um, in the book of Matthew that Jesus, when he was 12 years old, he left with his, with his parents and they went to the temple to worship. And at this point in time, Jesus was sitting and listening intently and asking questions. And also, people asking him questions. And if you read further... Uh, in the book of Matthew, you, you, you will see that people who asked him questions, they were amazed at the way he answered their questions. So he was a 12-year-old kid, Jesus Christ. You know, uh, he, he had so much knowledge about the Father because, in fact, he is the, he is the, the Son. Uh, he knew so much about the Father, and so he was answering the questions given uh, or asked by other people in a very wise way, and people were amazed at the way he was answering the questions. At 12 years old. Now at this point, Jesus is not asking questions. He's not here. He's not in the temple, just sitting and listening. He comes and he finds people, they're doing things that they're not supposed to be doing in the temple, in the house of the Father. 
And just a side note here. At this point, Jesus had just left um, a wedding where he performed a miracle of turning water into wine. And he was moved by love and compassion by performing that miracle. And so he leaves that place, he comes to Jerusalem to worship, and he gets there, not moved by compassion, but moved by anger. He literally makes a whip of cords, and he chases those money changers away from the temple, moved by anger. Now, you might ask yourself, I mean, how does anger glorify God? You can be angry, but still not sin. Jesus did not, did not hit anybody in the temple. He, he did not put anybody in danger. We're called to have righteous anger, which is the anger that Jesus had. And the reason why he was angry is because the people were not worshiping the Lord in the right way. Now, when we get together and we worship God, what is our attitude? Do we worship God the right way? Or are we just singing with our own lips and our hearts are far from here? I really hope that when you're here this morning and we, you're worshiping the Lord, you worship, you worship Him wholeheartedly with your heart fixed upon Him and worshiping Him spiritually and not just with your own lips, just saying the words. Jesus had done miracles. And one of the miracles is the one that, that I just said. And, and I would say that this, this, this sending these people away, it could be considered a miracle in the sense that Jesus himself was, was angry, but still his, his father was glorified through that. He glorified the father through this situation by sending the people away because they were not worshiping the Father the right way. So in the, verse, in the verse 14 we read, In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned the tables. And he told those who sold, who sold the pigeons, take these things away from here. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. I don't know if you have ever exchanged money from one currency to another. Um, I have done it before. Actually, I've, I did it twice. The, fir the very first time that I did it, uh, my wife was here in the States and I was back in Mozambique. And... Um, in attempt to support her financially, I decided to send some money for her. And um, I didn't know what to do because I had never done it before. I didn't know where to go. And so the very first thing that I thought of was to go to the bank. And I went to the bank and I was told, well, you actually have to exchange your money into uh, the currency in the country you're sending it to, in this case, in, the U in U.S. dollars. I had never seen a U.S. dollar before, by the way. 
And so I'm like, really, where am I going to find dollars in Mozambique? We use Metikaj here. Where am I going to find dollars? And so it was a very big hassle going around, trying to find a place to exchange the money. And somebody told me about a place in town. I went there, and I just I got there, and it was actually a little store, you know, where they sold clothes, and, and this money-changing business was a side business for them, so for those who needed the services. So I get there, and um, the exchange rate from our currency to dollar was so high that the amount that I wanted to send, basically, she was going to get half of it, only half of it. I was like, no, I can't do this. I cannot do this. And so the reason why I'm saying that is because this is, this is exactly what was going on because people came from many different places. You know, those who did not live in Jerusalem, they came from wherever they lived. They came down to Jerusalem to worship the Lord. And, and in that worship, they were supposed to uh, give sacrifices of animals for the atonement of their sin. And so they wouldn't bring animals from their, from their own homes, from their countries where they lived. They brought money, and they bought the animals there on site. And so there were people exchanging money. And those people who exchanged money from whatever currency it was into shackles, which was, which was the local currency, they were charging exorbitant, uh, uh, so, much, so high, the, the exchange rate was so high to the point where it was, it was just sinful. And Jesus could not stand that. It was a business being done inside the, comp the temple complex. Instead of doing it outside, they came to the t inside the temple complex and that's where they did it. And if you, can, uh, if you have seen, uh, if you know the, the situation there at the temple, there were, there were a court where the Gentiles were allowed to be. And so that's exactly where those people were exchanging the money and selling those animals for sacrifice. And so what they did is they disrupted the worship. And Jesus had enough of it. He had enough of it. They were disrupting worship. And so apart from exchanging money, other people were selling animals. So the money, the amounts of money they charged for animals was so high that they were just taking advantage of those people, of those worshipers. And so there was all this happening in the temple. So when Jesus comes and sees all that scenery happening, he had enough of it. So he got angry and he sends them away. You can kind of imagine Jesus with his you know, whip of cords and just sending them away, turning tables, you know, and, you know, sending them all away because they were, they were not worshiping the Lord. And again, this is, this is a picture of the righteousness of God. It's a picture of the wrath of God that's to come. If you do not worship the Lord the right way, Jesus will do this in your life. He will do it. And in fact, he has the authority to do it. And many times, 
uh, when we talk about God, we only, we only focus on his love, his mercy, his grace. Of course, he's merciful. God is gracious. God is loving. Yes, he is. But we, we tend to forget about his righteousness and, and the fact that he's just. We don't talk much about his wrath, but that's real. That is real. One day, when Jesus comes, we're going to see his wrath manifested. And I hope and I pray that you do not go through that wrath because it's not going to be fun. It is not going to be fun. It was not fun for these people selling pigeons and, 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 and other animals in the temple. Those that were exchanging money when they were sent away it was not fun. And in fact, they asked him a question that we're going to see as we go further in, in, in my sermon here, that it shows that they were angry. They were not happy with him doing that, even though they recognized, they knew they were not doing the right thing. The temple of God was the, the place of worship. It was the place of worship, but that's not what they were doing. So Jesus reacted this way to show God's judgment. Now, let me take you to another verse in the Bible that talks about God being unhappy with unholy worship. Let's turn to Amos chapter 5, verses 21 and 24. Amos chapter 5, verses 21 and 24. I hate, I despise your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Brothers and sisters, worshiping is a serious thing. It's the reason why we're here this morning. And when we worship God, we are supposed to worship him in spirit and in truth. And if we do not do that, we are going to go through the wrath of God. And as you can see in this passage here, God literally rejects the songs people are singing supposedly for him when their hearts are not there. So we just sang for God here, you know, not, not long ago. What was your attitude when singing to God? What was your attitude? And God says here, I reject him. I do not want that kind of worship. That worship does not, does not, does not praise me. It does not elevate my name on high because I'm God. I reject that kind of worship. You should worship me in spirit and in truth. That's the right way of worshiping God. And so people were offering animals. They were doing sacrifices, which was commanded, right, in the Bible. It was commanded that they were supposed to give offerings, but their offerings were not done with the right attitude. And so God rejected it. So when we come together to worship God, 
we got to make sure that we have the right attitude towards God, towards that worship. In fact, God is a spirit, and so when we worship him, we should worship him in spirit and in truth. That's how we're called to worship. Point number two, Jesus cleanses our bodily temple. In 1 Corinthians, we read read that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is true. And and Jesus says here uh, that later on in this passage that he is going to raise himself. When he says, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days, meaning that he's going to raise himself. He is the temple. And so you are called the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we find that in verse 16. He told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of of trade. Instead of worshiping the father, they were trading money, they were selling animals for the sacrifice. Which was was not wrong, by the way. It was not wrong. But they were disrupting the worship. They were doing it inside the temple complex, which is the house of the Father. And it made Jesus angry. So what is profane, what is profane to the Father is profane to Jesus too because him and the Father are one. Jesus is God. And so what is profane was the fact that these people were disrupting worship, they were selling animals inside the temple complex, and also they were exchanging money. So that did not glorify the Father. And not glorifying the Father, it was not glorifying the Son either. And so he gets angry. So when you misuse your body, the body that God himself gave you, and you misuse it, God is unhappy with that. He isn't happy. Jesus Christ gets angry because people were misusing the temple. And your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You've got to use your body for the purposes for which it was made, which was to praise God and to worship God. And if you're here this morning and you're thinking, oh man, what have I done? I did something a week ago, and I did this a week ago. Jesus is still the same. He can still forgive you as long as you repent of your sin and use the body that he has given you for his glory. That's what you're called to do. And of course, this is is what Jesus does when he finds when he finds unholy stuff in our body. When we look at what he did here, he turned the tables and he chased away the people that were exchanging money and selling animals from the temple. And that's exactly what he does. When you, when you humble yourself, you come to Jesus and you tell him, you confess and you repent. You tell him uh, honestly what your body looks like, what you are exactly, the status of your spiritual life. 
you open yourself to him, he does this. He cleanses the temple. He cleanses it. He cleanses your body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if you're willing this morning for Jesus to do this to your body, he is available. He's right here this morning. Seek him, and you're going to find him. And he will cleanse you of whatever it is that needs to be cleansed from your body. In Mozambique, we, we, we have different kinds of soap. You might be thinking here, what, what is the relationship between that and soap, right? But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain that in a little bit. So we have different kinds of soap. We have powder soap, we have liquid soap, and then we have bar in bars, that kind of soap that comes in bars. And the poor people, they buy, they use more the bar soap because it's cheaper. And so growing up, um, that's the kind of soap that we used. And I remember one time, we, um, we had a meal, uh, I think it was pork, if I'm not wrong. Uh, my sister cooked pork, and, and you know how greasy it can be, right? So how oily, you know, that fat that it has. And so the, the dishes were so greasy after the meal. And I took them, and I went to wash them. And as I was washing them, the grease was not going away because the soap was, was just not strong enough to, to take all the grease away. And so I kept doing that over and over again. And, and at some point, my sister, she took the plate. She's like, have you really washed this? I said, yes, the soap. I don't think the soap is strong enough. I've, I've washed them. Now, where I'm going is, Jesus, when he washes your sins away, there is no grease left in your, in your temple, in your body, in your heart, in your spirit. There is nothing left. He has the power and he has the authority to cleanse you completely and make you holy before the Lord. And again, that, that, that doesn't mean that you're never going to sin again. You might be asking, now, why do I struggle with sin then if he, if he has cleansed me and I still, I still sin? You are not perfect. You are not perfect. As long as you're on this earth, you're going to always be tempted. As long as you, 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 you humble yourself and you come before the Lord and you worship him rightly and you repent of your sin, again, repent of your sin and seek him truthfully, he will always cleanse you. And no grease will be left from the sin. That's how good Jesus is. He knows that you're sinful, you're made sinful. You and I are sinful. We can't go a day or a minute without sinning. Even in our thoughts, we, think, we sin in our thoughts. And we need him because of that. We need him. And it's only him who can cleanse us from all the sin. And no grease will be left. So, Jesus cleanses your body, and it's only him who can cleanse it. There is no place you can go where you will be cleansed the way Jesus cleanses you. There is no place. 
He is God, and he has the authority. He has the power to cleanse you. So you should seek him and ask him for forgiveness of your sin and actually seek him the right way and worship him, worship him the right way. Now, my point three says Jesus has all the authority to reproach. He has all the authority to reproach. And in verse 18, we read like this. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had, he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had, had spoken. Um, at this point in time, Jesus, he was showing that he had the authority to reproach them for what they were doing. And he always does. He has the power. He has the authority. In fact, he says all the authority in heaven has been given to him. And so he can reproach. He can correct us for the things that we do wrong. He has the power. And what happens is that many times when Jesus reproaches us for our sin, we get angry. We have this attitude in us that is not glorifying to the Lord. And this was their reaction. They asked him, what sign do you give us? What sign do you give us for doing these things? They wanted a sign. And I believe some of those people had seen Jesus perform a miracle, and they knew that Jesus was the Son of God, but still they wanted a sign from Jesus. What sign do you give us for doing these things? They got angry. They got angry at him because he was, he was reproaching, reproaching them. And sometimes we act like that too. Something happens to us. God intends to, to take away something from our, our lives that is not glorifying to him. But we get angry at God. What I want to tell you this morning is he has the right, God has the right to do with us what he pleases. We are his creatures. He created us. And he can do with us what he desires. And in fact, because he loves us so much, his son, his son that was, has always been there since the beginning of the world, he became man, he came to the world because of his love for us. Not that we deserved that. Not that we deserved it. Because he loved us. He loves you and I. And when he reproaches you, it's because of his love for you. It's not because, because he wants to prove something. He doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. He doesn't. It's just out of love for you and I that he reproaches us. So this was the Jews' reaction. Show us a sign. 
Do you and I act like this sometimes when he reproaches us? Show us a sign. Does he have to show us a sign? He doesn't. He does have the authority to do it, to do whatever he pleases. And so Jesus gives a very interesting answer here. He says, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. They ask him, show us a sign, and he answers, destroy this temple, and I'll raise it up in three days. And their thoughts were in the physical temple. They, kept, they, they started to think, man, this temple was built during 40, 46 years. It took 46 years for it to be completed. And you're telling us that you're going to destroy it and build it again in three days. Three days. I believe some of, uh, maybe all of you have seen a house being built. How long does it take? Does it take three days? No, it doesn't. But what Jesus was saying here was not about the physical temple. He was talking about the true temple of the Holy Spirit. He was talking about his body. So he says this, and these people, immediately their thoughts, you know, they take them to the physical temple. Misunderstanding. Spiritual blindness is what was happening here. I remember once there was misunderstanding between me and Conrad. <laughs> um, he texted me. It was during um, the restrictions with the coronavirus, right at the beginning when, when we had to social distance here in the church and, and you know, we had to put tape uh, in between rows and we had people usher uh, you know, help people see it and stuff. And so at that time, Conrad texted me on Saturday. He said, Jonas, would you be available uh, to help Asher tomorrow? Would you be available to help Asher tomorrow? I read the message, and I was like, I replied, and I said, um, somebody asked me to see people tomorrow. Is Asher going to be doing something? Is Asher going to be doing something? I can help him. <laughs> the reason why I responded like that is because... <laughs> this is a little bit shameful. Uh, the reason why I responded that way is because there is, there is a rapper called Asher. And, <laughs> and I thought... Not, not, not that I thought that Asher was going to come and perform. That's not how I thought. <laughs> what I thought was there is probably somebody in the church called Asher, and this Asher is going to be doing something at church early in the morning. And so Conrad was asking me to help him with whatever he was doing. I was not familiar with the word Asher. So that's how I responded. I'll be seeing people. And so if Asher is going to do something, I can probably help him. misunderstanding. To this day, I think about this and I just laugh at myself. <sighs> misunderstanding. Which is exactly what was happening with these people. Jesus was talking about the temple of the Holy Spirit. He was talking about himself. 
destroy me, and I'll raise myself up in three days. And in fact, when Jesus says, says this, he's declaring that he is God. He himself is God. If they destroy him in three days, he'll raise himself up. Now, do we believe, do we really, truly believe that Jesus is God? Do we truly believe that? He's God. That's the declaration he's making here this morning. Destroy this temple, and I'll raise it up in three days. And so the resurrection, we can see that the resurrection was the three persons of the Trinity took part. The Father, the Spirit, and, and the Son. And we can see that in the book of Matthew, that the, the Spirit of He who raised Jesus from the dead. We see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all of them taking part in the resurrection. So that's exactly what Jesus was talking about here when He says, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. He is God. He was showing that he had the authority to reproach them and also he had the authority to raise himself up from the dead. And he really does have the authority. And the question is, do we really believe that he has this, this authority? Do we believe that? You know, many times... Because of our, our unbelief, we tend to act in ways that do not characterize the nature and character of God. Exactly what is happening here, it happens in our lives. Jesus, we read the scriptures, and, and our understanding many times is far from what really God wants us to know. And until you seek God with your whole heart, and you worship him rightly, you will not understand divine things that you can see in the Bible. You will not. He calls us to worship him rightly, and he has the authority to discipline us when we need to, and in fact, we do need to, to be disciplined, and he has the authority and power to do so. So we should seek God the right way. When we worship the Lord, we're supposed to worship him the right way, in spirit and in truth. And as I finish here, um, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And I've got some, some questions here that I would like us to reflect on uh, this morning. The first one is, is Jesus cleansing something in your life now? What is your reaction to it? Are you getting angry? Are you getting disappointed at God? What is your attitude to it? And many times it hurts when God corrects us. When God wants to remove something that we cling to in our lives, that does not glorify him, it hurts. It really does hurt. Because we don't want to let go of it. Now the question is, is he cleansing something from your life this morning that you don't want to let go? And what is your attitude to it? Is it of humility? 
but you should know that he has the right to do it. He has the right to cleanse you from that. And he does want to cleanse you from that. Do you want to be cleansed? And the second question is, are you ready for Jesus to cleanse your body? Are you fearful of what you might lose? Because if we're clinging to something that is not godly, we might be tempted to fearing missing that, fearing losing that. But whatever it is that God wants to cleanse from you, just let go of it. Let him cleanse you. Let him cleanse you. And the third question is, as a child of God, is your primary identity a worshiper of God? That is why he made us. That is how he created us, to worship him. And our primary identity should be as a worshiper of the Lord Jesus, a worshiper of God, and which is the reason why he was sending those people away because they were disrupting the worship. People wanted to worship and they were disrupting the, you know, whatever was going on in there. Now, is your identity, your primary identity, a worshiper of God? You are called to worship the Lord Jesus this morning. You are called to worship. And you need to let Jesus cleanse your body because he has the power and he has the authority to do so. If you truly love him, then let him cleanse you. He has the power for it. Lord, I thank you this morning. I thank you for your message, God. I thank you that you have made us worshipers of you and not of men, not on thing, of, of things on earth, not worshipers of ideas, of attitudes, or anything earthly, but worshipers of you. God, I just pray this morning that you will help us become true worshipers of you. Convict us, Lord, of your sin. Convict us of any unholy thing in our bodies, in our spirits, anything that does not glorify you. Just cleanse it, Lord. We thank you for your goodness for your love and for your mercy. Thank you for salvation, Lord, that we are your children and we can call you Father. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.